I really do believe that you need to implement a strategy at first and know exactly what you're doing, when and why, and have that kind of planned out for you. And then you can more naturally later on down the line, do this in practice without having to be so tied to your calendar. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. I'm gonna share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're gonna show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, I'm super excited to be here today with Brie Noble, bringing her back onto the podcast. Brie is an award-winning musician, music business mentor, the host of the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast. And today, one thing that we wanted to dive into was, you know, we've, we've talked before with her, really she's like the expert around releasing your music, which is in and of itself like one of the most important things to master as a musician is what's like the art of releasing your songs. And specifically, one component of that process, and I think something that Brie is really a master in is the ability to plan appropriately and to be productive. And you know, I think it's a topic that all of us, you know, struggle with in some form or another is like really figuring out how do we best utilize the limited amount of time that we have and find the things that are really the highest priority things for us to focus on without feeling overwhelmed because there's always a limitless number of things to do. So I'm definitely excited to, to have her back on here and to be able to geek out a little bit about productivity and time management. So Bree, thanks so much for coming back on the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. And I love talking productivity, especially to help musicians. Mm, heck yeah. Awesome. So uh, how about, you know, I know we've been on here before, but for anyone who maybe missed that episode more, it's the first time meeting you, could you give a quick introduction to, to yourself? Sure. I am a musician. I am a wife and a parent. I live in California. Uh, I'm actually in Maine right now visiting my family cabin, which I try to do at least once or twice a year. So I'm excited to be broadcasting from here. And I am, as I said, a musician. I have been performing as an indie musician for many years. I was a music and business major in college and performed throughout my college years all over the Western states. And then had a stint at the opera where I was a director of finance. So that's kind of my business hat coming out there. I never did actually perform at the opera, although I did perform in operas in college. And after I left the opera, I set out on a career as an independent musician. And that was after 10 years of being really frustrated, trying to figure out how the music business worked and how I was supposed to fit into it. And when I finally embraced the fact that as a musician, I am a small business, I'm an entrepreneur and started building my career as someone would that was just starting another, any small business grassroots and all that, that is what made the big difference for me. And so after building my music career and, and touring all over California and some of the other Western states and running this career while having small children, I decided to stop touring and help other musicians do the same because I started getting a lot of questions about how, how are you doing this? How are you marketing? How are you building your career? And in the meantime, I learned a ton about online marketing by promoting my Women of Substance music platform and 
also my two different podcasts and just my programs that help musicians. So I love to bridge marketing and business with the music and creative side. And one thing that really helps that is having a clear idea of how you can be the most productive because like none of us as musicians inherently really like doing the marketing stuff, but we know we have to. And so how can you fit that into your day in a way that feels like it's not crushing your creative side and you still have time to do the stuff that you want to do, but yet you're still fulfilling all the obligations that you need to have to your marketing and business because you don't have a record label and a manager to do it for you. You're wearing that hat as the indie artist. Mm. That's awesome. That's so good. Yeah, it does seem like that's one of the biggest challenges starting out is whether you're starting like a new business or you're starting a new music project or you're starting you know a career in anything at the beginning being at that point where you're kind of spinning multiple plates at the same time you're wearing multiple hats and you're trying to figure out man like you you don't really have a team around you to help you out necessarily at the beginning so if someone's listening to this right now and they're just getting started and they're trying to figure out how do I be more productive and how do I you know, be less stressed out as I'm moving towards my goals, what would be a good initial exercise for them to do to move towards that? Well, really it does involve some planning and I get a lot of pushback on this because musicians are like, you know, I'm just, I'm creative. I want to go with the flow. And I, but keep in mind, if you implement this kind of planning mentality then you won't have to so rigidly plan later. And I, I teach a lot of, you know, about habits and calendar and stuff like that. And, and I get a lot of pushback at first, but the, the thing is you, in, you end up internalizing that. You don't have to plan every second of your day once you internalize the ideas behind it and how you can kind of naturally do that without feeling like, you're going to have to plan every second and put every single thing on your calendar. So I really do believe that you need to implement a strategy at first and know exactly what you're doing when and why and have that kind of planned out for you. And then you can more naturally later on down the line do this in practice without having to be so tied to your calendar. I don't know if, if that's worked that way for you. I know you're pretty big on your calendar, Michael. Yeah, no, I, I think you're spot on that. Um, nothing worthwhile usually happens unless you're intentional about, you know, what you about your goals and what you're looking to do. And so I think that the most successful people, they have very clear vision of where they're going and what they want to accomplish. And so they structure their days around those goals and usually do a really good job of prioritizing, like, you know, out of everything you could do, what are the top things? So hundred percent, I think that, you know, if you don't plan, if you don't set goals, if you don't you know, structure things, then you're going to end up at the whim of someone else. Like you're, you're going to be doing someone else's plan. So let's say that uh, someone's wants to get started with the process of planning and they're just kind of wondering, yeah, like, where do I even start? Let's just imagine that this is someone who doesn't even really have like a structured rhythm or like, or planning, like a weekly planning session or monthly plan. They're just sort of living their life day by day without like really organized plans. Where would you recommend that they would start to start to 
you know, to create some of those plans? Okay, so let's start with something that anyone can implement that I think is easy and feels less stressful and also makes you feel like you're getting wins every day. And that is the do three things a day method, which for me, I love it because you feel very accomplished when you've done those three things that you put on the list. And then if you're feeling great and you've got that momentum, you can do more. But if you're like, okay, I have other things I need to do. I have other people in my life I need to take care of. I want to go be creative and do that. You know that you've accomplished those three things and you can feel really good about what you've done that day. Now, the key is what are those three things, right? You can't be like record an entire album. Like that is not a thing that you can do in one day. You have to be very, you know, even when it comes down to like write a song, right? That is a lot. Like I have sat there and worked on a song for an entire weekend before, before I felt like I had it right. You may be like, you know, finish the bridge to this song. Like that could be a thing that you could put down as one of your three things or, you know, do, you can also like create time blocks around this. So it could be like make booking calls for an hour. That could be one of your three things or make five booking calls. But the important thing is it needs to be very specific and measurable and achievable within the amount of time that you have to do it. So you can start by looking at, okay, how much time do I have today to work on music stuff? And that is, you know, when you've got all the other things on your calendar, maybe you have a job, maybe you have a part-time job, maybe you have kids or elderly parents or, you know, other responsibilities, you block out time for those things and what's left. And that is what you've got to work with. And so then you look and what can I realistically do in this amount of time and pick three things that you could realistically do today that are going to make you feel like you're making progress towards your goals. And they also need to be relevant, right? So before you can do this, you've got to have an idea of what your goals are. And, you know, there's a whole process that I teach around figuring out your goals for the next 90 days, which I can't really go into here, but if you've got your goals dialed in and you know what they are, then you can figure out all the action steps you would need to take toward those goals. And then you would just be picking from those. Okay, which one of those am I going to do today? What am I going to add to my three things a day list? And that's a system that you could use to get started. Obviously, like I said, there's a bigger structure around that in making sure that you know what your goals are for the next 90 days and whether you've chosen the right goals based upon, you know, your vision for where you're going and all of that. But this is just like, if you're not even there yet, you're just like, I think I have some loose idea of my goals, but I really want to get moving. You can use the three things a day. And just the important test is, are these things that you're choosing relevant to your bigger goals? Are they achievable in the amount of time that you're giving yourself? And are they measurable? You know, it can't just be, I'm going to practice piano. Like you can say that, but say, I'm going to practice for an hour, right? If it's something like practicing, which I call like a, a habit-based item, then you got to put a time on it. But if you're actually trying to achieve what I like to call like a project-based item, then you can actually say, I'm going to finish this piece of something. Yeah, I, I love that. Breaking it up into, you know, habit 
habit and processes that are going to be recurring versus like a goal or something tangible that you're moving towards project-based. And yeah, I think absolutely the three, choosing three things per day, that reminds me of a, a book I just read or I reread called Organize Tomorrow Today. And that was one of my biggest takeaways from that book was uh, that the process of the night beforehand, just mm -hmm. listing out your top three things that you're looking to accomplish the next day and then putting a star or like circling the number one most important thing. And then the next day, you've already kind of put the thought process around doing the thing. So it's less likely you're going to procrastinate on it. Overnight, you usually kind of sleep on it and your brain starts turning on those three things. And yeah, if you structure it so that you do the one of those really like the number one of the top three things, you get it done as early as possible the next day, then everything else can kind of fall into place around it. Um, yeah, so I agree. Yeah. And that kind of brings up something that I think is really important is that those evening habits, you know, I teach morning routine and evening routine, and that is part of the evening routine that I talk about. And one major reason that doing that at night, like you said, that you're getting it in your head, like, this is what I'm going to do tomorrow, you're setting your intention, all that. But also, I encourage people to do a kind of a brain dump of anything that's in their head at night that they're like thinking it's rattling around in their head. Oh, I need to do this, or I really need to do that. And getting those all down and then picking your top three, but then you've gotten them out of your head. Some of the reason that we can't get good sleep at night is because our brain is hanging on to all of these things and we don't want to forget them. And if we don't put them somewhere, then our brain is just going to be worrying and worrying all night around those things. So that's another way to set yourself up is getting some really good sleep because you've done that brain dump, you know exactly your intention in the morning. And also, I don't know if you're like me, but like it takes me a bit in the morning to get going. You know, I got to have my coffee or my tea or whatever and percolate a little bit like to get my brain revved up. And if I have to think through like which are the things I'm going to do today in the morning, that, that's much harder. And I'm wasting too many brain calories doing that when I could be using them to actually do the things instead. All right, let's take a quick break from the podcast so I can tell you about a free special offer that we're doing right now exclusively for our podcast listeners. So if you get a ton of value from the show, but you want to take your music career to the next level, connect with a community of driven musicians and connect with the music mentors directly that we have on this podcast, or if you just wanna know the best way to market your music and grow an audience right now, then this is gonna be perfect for you. So right now we're offering a free two week trial to our music mentor coaching program. And if you sign up in the show notes below, you're gonna get access to our entire music mentor content vault for free. The vault's organized into four different content pillars. The first being the music, then the artist, the fans, and last but not least, the business. When you sign up, you'll unlock our best in-depth masterclasses from a network of world-class musicians and industry experts on the most cutting-edge strategies right now for growing your music business. On top of that, you'll get access to our weekly live masterminds where our highest level modern musician coaches teach you exactly what they're doing to make an income and an impact with their music. Then once a month, we're gonna have our Music Mentor Spotlight series. And that's where we're gonna bring on some of the world's biggest and best artist coaches and successful musicians to teach you what's working right now. And one of the most amazing parts is that you can get your questions answered live by these top level music mentors. So a lot of the people that you hear right here on the podcast are there live interacting with you personally. So imagine being able to connect with them directly. On top of all that, you'll get access to our private music mentor community 
And this is definitely one of my favorite parts of Music Mentor and, and maybe the most valuable is that you're gonna have this, this community where you can network with other artists and link up, collaborate, ask questions, get support, and discuss everything related to your music career. So if you're curious and you wanna take advantage of the free trial, then go click on the link in the show notes right now and you can sign up for free. Uh, from there, you can check out all of the amazing content, uh, connect with the community, and sign up for the live masterclasses that happen every week. This is a gift for listening to our podcast, supporting the show. Um, so don't miss it out. Go sign up for free now and uh, let's get back to our interview. Yeah, I, I love that. I love this conversation. I think that this this is so, uh, so crucial. And like, you know, one thing that ties in really nicely with, the, with what we're talking about right now is the 80-20 rule and like prioritization. <laughs> so I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about the 80-20 rule, and when it comes to choosing those three things, how do you how do you prioritize? Yeah, I love the 80-20 rule too. And I teach a prioritization system that's based around figuring out, okay, which things are going to make the most impact on toward me reaching this goal that I have. And then the things that I like I feel confident in being able to do, and it would be easy for me to do this versus hard. So I have like a whole kind of scoring system that people do. And what's great about doing this, when you actually create your goals and then going through the scoring system with all of the actions around them is that then you just have a playbook. <laughs> you have a playbook of like, okay, I'm gonna take all the actions that scored the highest and I'm gonna do those first. And so then you don't even have to use any brain power around which things are going to go on my list. You've already got a list of all of these things and you're just going to pick from them based upon the prioritization that you've already made. And that is kind of utilizing the 80-20 rule because some of the things you may have to do that are going to be harder for you and they're going to take a lot more time and effort because they are really important to reaching those goals but if you've utilized this prioritization, then you've kind of capitalized on the things that you can do now that's going to make the most impact toward your goal. And the other things might take a little bit more time, and we're going to decide whether they're important enough to do or not. So that's why this prioritization system is so important, because it really makes us think, like, how important is this actually toward me reaching my goal? Is it really going to help me reach results with it? Or is it just something that I think I should be doing because I see other people doing it, but I don't really know for sure if I'm going to get results out of it, or I haven't really analyzed, you know, if I've posted three times a day on Instagram for the last three months, because I think that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Have I actually looked at my numbers to see is this generating DM conversation? Is, is this bringing people over to my other assets? Is this creating you know, customers for me for my concerts or people actually you know, following and listening on Spotify or whatever your goals are with your music? You have to be able to look at your numbers and know if things are actually making the needle move to know if that's one of the things in the 20%. Yeah, that's, that's great. And yeah, I think that one of the biggest benefits for me of like, th of using the 80-20 rule and getting really intentional about prioritization is that there's sort of this nature of 
limitless to-dos or it's almost like the news the news feed on facebook how you can keep scrolling and like it's gonna keep (laughs) populating content and you could go like essentially virtually forever just scrolling and i think the same thing applies to our goals and our projects there's like a limitless amount of things that we can do and like you just talked about, really 80% of the things that we can do aren't really the things that are moving the needle. And if we stop doing those things and we just focus on those 20%, then you know, we can accomplish more than if we were actually trying to do everything all at once, which is really liberating, that we don't have to do everything, that we can actually just do a few things really well. That prioritization scoring system sounds really interesting. Could you share a little bit more about just some of the parameters or of the like how you score, how important an activity is? Sure. So the first score is the most obvious score, which is really about the 80-20 rule, which is how likely is this action going to be toward your getting you toward your goal? So, you know, there could be a lot of little tiny actions that might help you get toward this goal, but there are some that are just going to move the needle a lot faster. So that will get a very high score if there's if there's something like that. And then you look at, okay, how confident am I that I know how to do this thing? <laughs> because if it's going to take some learning, if it's going to take me, you know, find if it's a tech thing, especially if it's if it's going to take me finding someone to help me understand how to do it, even bringing on maybe a contractor or assistant or something to do it, then that's going to be a lower score because I'm feeling very unconfident that I can do it. And then, you know, in that case, if the thing is like really, really high on the, it's going to make a huge impact toward my goal, but it's really, really low on my confidence scale, then I might need to look at, okay, well, I need to bring someone in then because it's going to either take me a lot of education to do it, or I'm just going to need to pay someone to help me. But I know this thing is really important toward my goal. And then the third thing in, is like, is it an easy or a hard thing in that? Is it going to take me a lot of time or a little bit of time? Sometimes there's something that is going to make a big impact that I'm not confident how to do it, but I think it it's not going to take me very long. And one example of this that I use with my students all the time, because I've seen them, like they procrastinate this and it is actually the easiest thing once they do it is setting up their PayPal me button. They'd be like, I don't know how to do it. So I feel like it's a million miles away for me. I can't possibly do it. But yet it seems like a thing that wouldn't be, wouldn't take very long if I just knew how to do it. And I also would really, really be helpful because then I could get some, you know, tips when I'm doing a live stream. So every student that I've had that has not set up their PayPal me button, and then they finally did it. They're like, it was not that hard. I just had to look up the instructions and do it. It took me 10 minutes. And now I have this thing, but, you know, for the past two months, I've been saying, I really need to do that. And it's been falling to the bottom because I had very little like knowledge on how to do it. And I just would have to look it up. So things like that, that would actually end up going to the top because even though they feel super uncomfortable because they don't know how they realize, well, if I did know how it probably wouldn't take me very long and it would be very, very useful. And so that would actually, those two scores would pull it up, even though the confidence score is lower. Mm, That's super interesting. Yeah, I I like that a lot. It kind of reminds me of the, I think one of the most valuable 
things that our clients get when we're working with them one-on-one is exactly what you just described of like the kind of thing where if you know what you're doing, it's really not like it takes very little time. Like in, with the one-on-one sessions, like for example, launching a Facebook or an Instagram ad campaign, like we put the session with the coach at that point because that's where 99.9% of people who had never done it before start to feel overwhelmed or get stuck or would think, oh, like, you know, do I need to do it this way or this way? Or, or if they were following like a tutorial, something would be different from the tutorial. But if you're, you know, learning from someone who is, does it like 10 times a day, then for them, it's like takes like two seconds. So I love the idea of breaking up tasks into those things. And if they know that they're high impact, then, you know, either finding you know, education so that you can do it yourself or hiring a contractor or working with someone who can help do it for you. That seems like a, a really valuable gem. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that what what you guys do in your coaching program because that's exactly it. Like what you guys help people set up is is a complicated process, but if you break it down into the pieces and you give them the confidence they need that they understand how to do each piece, it's not all that hard, and you can build it. It's just that when you look at it, you know, from a, a big picture, you're like, oh, I can't build that. That's too complicated, you know. But if you break it down and do each thing on its own, it's really not that hard. Awesome. So let's talk about reviews and like adapting and iterating. Cause I feel like when it comes to planning, I know there's one of my favorite quotes and I forget who says this, but it's something like the process of planning is invaluable, but plans themselves are useless or something along those lines. And I don't necessarily think that, I think that there are plans can be very useful, not even when you're like done planning, but I do think there's a lot of wisdom in that, that really like the process of planning really activates your brain in a certain way. And, and ultimately a lot of times plans, if you're too stringent with them, then they end up being, you know, they, they don't uh, age well, they don't adapt well because things change. So in your experience, like what's the best way to, to stay adaptable when you create those plans so that you can make sure that you, you know, your GPS system, if you take a wrong turn, is going to navigate you back to the correct path? Yeah, I always encourage people to have a meeting with themselves once a week, usually on Sunday night, I like to do and and be really truthful with yourself. Did I actually follow this plan that I created? And a lot of times what I would see with people is they would they would set everything up the way that I encourage them to. And I'm a big user of Google Calendar. I know you are too, because it just I feel so flexible and like I have full control over it. But what I've learned over the years is it's only as good as if, you know, how much you'll actually use it. And some people, they've just always used physical calendars. They're never going to feel good about a Google Calendar and they can try to fit into that mold and it's just not maybe not going to work for them and so they need to adapt it to the thing that will work for them because you know the the system that's the best is the one that you will use so really being honest with yourself at the end of the week like did i use this the way that i intended or did looking at my calendar make me feel so overwhelmed that I just didn't want to look at it? And I looked at it on Monday, but then I never looked at it the rest of the days because it stressed me out. If that's the case, and I have had some students tell me that the way that was set up, then just you have to change it because if you're just going to avoid it, then there's no point in doing it at all. You've got to set up a system 
where you're excited to use it. So I encourage people to do blocks because I think that that's the way you can be the most, the most productive because there's something called context switching. Whereas every time you switch from task to task, you're losing time. And, you know, I talk about this in relation to like, shut all your tabs and shut your email program when you're working on something else. So you're not like constantly distracted by pinging and binging and things that are taking your, you know, your focus away. And that's why I suggest like blocks of doing the same thing for one, two, three hours each day. But at the end of that week, if you found that those block times just didn't work for you, if you just, you're the kind of person that gets antsy, if you're doing the same thing for two hours, be honest with yourself. Say, okay, I can only do 30 minute blocks. Let's try that next week and see if that will work. And don't try to make yourself fit into some mold of what you think the product, perfect productive person should be like, because every personality is different. It's like, I like to talk about, you know, I get my best work done in the morning, but I understand that there are many people that aren't like that. They get their best work done at night. And I am like a zombie at night, you know? So it depends on your body, your personality, the way that you work best, your demands on your life. And when you actually have the time to work on this stuff. So be gentle with yourself, but also be super honest because that's the only way that your system is going to work for you and have a meeting with yourself once a week and go through this stuff and see how can I, how can I make this even better for next time? Which things fell through the track cracks? Why do I think they fell through the cracks and how can I change this system? So that doesn't happen the next week. Awesome. Yeah. I think that that weekly, that weekly check-in, that weekly review and, and planning is so important. So when it comes to that, that weekly, that weekly check-in, in addition to you kind of looking at how you handled like the, the original plan that you set out, do you have sort of like a agenda or an overview of what you'd recommend that, that anyone reviews on a weekly basis or like, or how they, how they do that weekly check-in? Yeah, I think just some, some generalized questions like, you know, which things went really well this week, which things that, that I have in the plan that didn't get done. Did they get bumped for a certain reason? And was that like purposeful or not purposeful? Like, was I avoiding them? <laughs> or is it because, you know, something happened in my personal life and I just couldn't specifically avoid a certain thing because it's not our favorite. Like, you know, we put booking on our schedule and then somehow that always gets crowded out by something else because we don't enjoy doing that. You know, so we, then we need to be like honest with ourselves. Okay. Are we going to, you know, kick our butt and do the booking, even though we don't love it, or are we going to find another solution to this? And so just going through questions like that also, you know, did I feel like the blocks that I set aside for me were enough time? Or like I said earlier, did I feel like after the first hour of I worked on this thing, I got, I started to get super distracted and, and fractured and unfocused and I should only do one hour blocks, but maybe do them twice a week instead of once a week, you know, try to figure out what is going to work the best for you and why the things that didn't work, didn't work and how you can adjust them. And it's just a constant 
adjustment every week until you really start to feel good with the way your plan is. And like I said, when I did this, I really did have all those things on my calendar and I kept those blocks for probably a couple of years. And now I just naturally do them without having to calendar out every single thing. I naturally do my three things a day without having to put a little reminder in Asana that says, figure out your three things a day. I just naturally do it. But at first you have to build those habits in by having little reminders using programs like Asana or Trello or whatever you like to, or, you know, something on your phone that's a reminder just to get you into that habit of thinking that way every day. Yeah, that's a really important point. I feel like you've brought up a couple of times is how habits at the beginning sometimes feel a little bit like an uphill battle, but you have to take, you have to have awareness that that's not always going to be that way. (laughs) You know, one analogy that I've heard around habits, um, like developing positive habits is that it's sort of like launching a rocket ship in the sense that when you launch a rocket ship, it takes a ton of fuel. It takes a ton of energy to get it off the ground and to get it in outer space. And that's really where the majority of energy is spent is getting it to break that, that gravity. But then once it's in outer space, you know, it's much easier to keep going. It's it's broken the initial gravity. And so I've heard this described in terms of habit gravity, right? If you are doing a certain habit every single day for 20, 30, 40 years, then you have a certain momentum that's, you know, going towards that habit and it's like pulling you back down to earth. And so there is kind of that, what do you say is like the time frame that for like a new habit? I know there's, I've heard quite a few different things like 24 days, 30 days, 60 days, but in your experience, what, what do you recommend for like developing new habits and how long do you think it normally takes of doing something in order for it to turn into something that's more natural? Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about that. I would say at least two weeks. It depends on if it's a thing that you naturally like that you just put into your schedule because you want it there, or if it's a thing that you're trying to implement that doesn't feel natural to you. But if it's something that you're feel like it's, you know, counterintuitive or you, it's just not anything like what you ever did before, but you really want to do it. It might take a little bit longer. It might take like a month. And it might take a little massaging to figure out how you can fit that into your day. Or, you know, there's also the thing where you can like attach a habit to something else you already do. If you already, you know, if you already drink coffee every morning and you want to post every day on Instagram, then maybe you attach the, you know, I'm going to post my one story on Instagram every day while I'm drinking my coffee, you know, to remember to do it instead of just getting busy with your day and then and forgetting about it and like, shoot, I didn't post on Instagram. You know, you just attach it to something you already do. Mm. That's good. Yeah, I think that's really smart. Like, especially if you have a habit that you really enjoy, like drinking a cup of coffee, attaching that as like a reward for doing another habit. So you don't drink the cup of coffee until you do, you know, something new that's, you know, maybe it's a little bit more uncomfortable, but only because it's your first time doing it and you have to kind of get into the rhythm of it. Yeah. Oh, I, here's one I used to do because I loved listening. I still do. But at, when I first started working a lot with musicians and marketing and business, I loved listening to business podcasts. Mm-hmm. And so I would, but I would like listen to a lot of them, like to a fault. And so finally I told myself, like, you can only listen to these when you're exercising. 
<laughs> so I would, you know, feel like excited to go on my walk every day and want to be gone for like an hour because I really wanted to listen to these podcasts and keep up with them. Hmm. That's a really good one. Yeah, I, I love going for walks. And now I love going for runs, which I never would have thought that I would enjoy running. But that was also a big part of it for me, too, was, was throwing on podcasts, audiobooks, and actually enjoying um, it because of that. Awesome. So one thing that you talked about a little bit earlier that, that I think is really important is this idea of you know, kind of getting things out of your head and getting them stored somewhere that you just have peace of mind and you know that anything that's really important, like you, you don't need to remember all of it in your head. Like it's, it's somewhere in a system that you can let go completely and just be present because you know, like, you know, I'm not going to drop the ball on anything that, that I need to do. And that kind of reminds me of the book, Getting Things Done. I think that was one mm -hmm. of his big points, but I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about that process for you of like, how do you capture ideas like on the fly that are kind of coming up in your mind? And let's say that you are, uh, so, so you, you talked about the, like the brain dump idea at night before you go to bed. And let's say that just throughout the day, like you're just having a day, like your day-to-day -day interactions. And then you have like a really cool idea. What does the process look like for you of taking that idea and storing it and making sure that it doesn't slip through the cracks, but it's something that you can actually act on? Yeah. So I call this for musicians, the, their inspiration vault. And what, where this starts is, as I mentioned, like when you figure out your five goals for your next 90 days, you're doing a big brain dump to figure out, you know, what are all the things I want to do over the next year. Right. And you're throwing them all down as many as you can come up with at least 25 and you're just putting them all out there. And then you're kind of whittling them down, figuring out your goals and then all the things that are left that are not in the goals that you're going to choose for 90 days, those are the beginnings of your inspiration vault. They're also the things that are most likely to distract you from the goals that you did choose because mm -hmm. you wanted to do them enough that you wrote them down. So that means they're going to be kind of your biggest enemies for the next 90 days because you are going to want to do those things, even though you know you did not prioritize them. So that's why I say this is going to be your inspiration vault and that's beginning. And the way the inspiration vault works is things can go in, but they cannot come back out for the 90 days. Mm -hmm. So you have a place where you can kind of, it's like a, it's like one of those big blue mailboxes. When you put your mail in, you can't get it back. Right. <laughs> so it's kind of like that where you put these things that are not on your goals list for the 90 days. And then you also are able to add things all the time. So you don't forget them. So you don't, you know, lose that inspiration of it and you're able to reevaluate at the end of those 90 days. Okay. I remember I thought about doing this thing. This was exciting to me, but I put it aside because it wasn't my goals. Now, do I think it's the right time to do that? So as you go throughout your day, you may listen to a podcast. You may see another musician doing something fun, like maybe a contest or, you know, the, a way of doing their live stream or whatever it is that looks kind of cool and fun. And I'd like to try that. Have a place that you can access where you're keeping these ideas that you call your inspiration vault. And whether it is your phone, I personally use the notes on my phone. You know, many of you are songwriters, you probably keep like audio audio files in your phone of ideas for songs. And you could do it that way too. You could keep audios of your ideas if you wanted. I personally just like to speak into my phone as a text and leave it in my notes. And 
I'm doing this all the time because I'm getting ideas for things I want to do for like social media posts, you know, Instagram reels, that kind of stuff, just from things that I hear on podcasts or that just happen in life. And so that's how, how I utilize it. But for you guys, whenever you see these ideas, have this place that needs to be accessible all the time. Because like Michael said, you could be on a walk. You could, you could be just scrolling on social media and see something. You could be out at a show and see an artist do something. And so it needs to be in a place if you're, if you're, if you like to, to write it down then have like a little pad that's in your purse or in your pocket or whatever that you keep with you all the time for your inspiration vault. And then when your 90 days are up, you get to go into that. And it's like, it's like opening a, a treasure or a present, like a, a treasure box of like, oh yeah, I remember that. That was, that's a cool idea. I wonder if I can incorporate that over the next 90 days. Now that you've got a point where you can reevaluate and decide which, which things would be the best for you in the future and not be having them tug at you and distract you in the present. I love that. The inspiration vault. Yeah. It, it does seem like a great way to you know, combat the shiny object syndrome. You know, that I know that I uh, fall into that trap sometimes is there's so many opportunities, so many cool, like ideas you can do, but really be able to have a place that you can store those that, you know, okay, in due time, I'm going to be able to recycle and come back to this. Cool. So there's a, a couple of times that you mentioned, you know, going, going for walk breaks and that triggered something. You know, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts around intentionally structuring your days to take breaks and what you do during breaks. Is that something that you find like sometimes is a, a challenge or mistake is like, you know, not, not really spending enough time being intentional about creating space or, or taking breaks? Yeah, it's definitely easy to get into that, that trap of just work, work, work and not realizing that you need a break. So I do try to schedule it in if I don't put it on the calendar in the morning, I say to myself, okay, I have, you know, I look at the things that I absolutely have to do. You know, I have to do this podcast with Michael at two o'clock and I have to, you know, I talk to my daughter on the phone at 11. Like, where can I fit these, these breaks in a time that is going to make sense in my schedule and also going to be giving me the break from doing the work. Now, part of it is based upon your personality, really. Some people they like to do like the Pomodoro method, which is you work for 25 minutes and then you get up and you walk around for five minutes because otherwise they just, they naturally, their focus goes downhill if they don't get up and move. But you, this is where you got to get to know yourself. Cause for me, I am like more of a momentum person. I, I get rolling and I don't want to stop. And I'm actually, you know, already, after 30 minutes in, I'm doing way better at what I'm doing than I was when I started. So it's knowing yourself and what are the best ways that you work. And so for me, I usually take a break like every, I'd say two hours, I schedule in things like I'm going to do my walk or I'm going to eat my lunch. And maybe while I eat my lunch, I'm going to read my emails or something. So I'm not distracted by my emails while I'm trying to, you know, write emails or do create a sales web, web page or something, because that's where that context switching can really get you. And you're like, you can be done with an hour of work and be like, how come I feel like I got nothing done? Well, because I kept my eye kept wandering over to my inbox and noticed that I had an email there. And then I read it and I realized I had to respond to it. And, you know, there's 10, 15 minutes gone by. 
and you thought you were working on the one thing, but actually you're being distracted half the time. So that's how I do it. Like I said, it has to do with your personality. I, in the beginning, I literally put them in my calendar. I'm like, I will walk from nine to 10, you know, to make sure that I did it because in the beginning, when I was a little bit more obsessive about my work, I'd say, I didn't build in enough breaks for myself and I realized that. And so I would actually put them on the calendar. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really smart is actually structuring, structuring out the, the breaks and planning on them at, at the beginning. And, and just in general, yeah, like, like you mentioned, whether it's the Pomodoro method, the 25 minutes or like an hour long or two hour long, yeah, I think that's just the, having the focus block and having the intention for that focus block and knowing what that is going into it is so powerful to be able to notice when something comes up and there's a distraction or there's the inbox or something and being able to kind of point back and be like, oh, wait, no, like this focus block is meant for this one thing. And that's actually a distraction. And I can put that on the backlog. So like, I'll get to that, but that, not right now. That's not, that's not what this time is for. It's really powerful. Yep. And around that, you really do need to schedule time in for that admin work because there will be things in your inbox that you have to respond to, but you need to compartmentalize those. So they're not distracting you all day long. And you maybe have like a 30 minute stint in the morning and a 30 minute stint later in the day where you deal with those things as they come, but keeping them in their own box kind of. Yeah, and one thing I want to double down on too that that you mentioned is was the idea of going out for for walks as like a good thing to do during breaks. That's been like a habit that's totally changed my life is going mm. out for regular regular walks. Me and too. It seems like a lot of a lot of ideas come out during those walks. You know, weirdly yep. because you know it's like that's like the time where you're not working. <laughs> you're like out, but it's like oh. you just let yourself go. You go out for a walk and boom. Silence is powerful for the mind. It really is. The best ideas I've ever had have come either on a walk, in the shower, or at the gym. Mm. I love that. This gave me goosebumps. Silence is powerful <laughs> for the mind. It's, it's so true. And there is something about, I think, the act of walking and running. The reason I started running was I read a book called The Spark, and it was basically studying the impact of walking and running on not just your body, like, you know, of course, it's good, like a healthy habit, but also for your mind. Like there's these, I think it was called BDNF or something, which, and they studied after people went for a walk, their brain capacity, their ability to learn was like 34% greater mm -hmm. than if they had, than the people who hadn't gone out for a walk. And it was definitely like a big takeaway. It was like, wow, like just like the act of moving, the act of walking in and of itself really kind of opens, opens things up and allows you to think. Is that like because of circulation or endorphins or what do you know why? Yeah. You know, I'd have to reread the book to give you the, the full science behind it. It's called the spark. But mm -hmm. as far as I remember it, there's certain chemicals that happen in the brain that get uh, released when you're walking. And I think that historically like humans, really spent a ton of time moving and walking and just being like active and being in our bodies. And that one of the things that's changed is with, you know, the rise of computers and the internet and TV and working in like one place and is that we don't really move around as much as we were genetically engineered to do. And I mean, I, I know that there's yeah, a ton of autobiographies and biographies of really amazing people like Albert Einstein, for example, 
were lifelong walkers. Like that was just a big part of like it was just a habit that they had. Is they would go for walks, and sometimes like long walks. Some of their biggest breakthroughs, biggest ideas came through during these walks. So I think that yeah, I think that walking is definitely like a, a really powerful habit, habit to work into. I think it's definitely a mood booster too. Yeah. You know, for me, I just don't feel nearly as good in general if I haven't walked. And I would say I walk seven days a week, almost always. Every once in a while, there's a reason I can't walk if, you know, weather issue. But in general, seven days a week, and I just feel like something's super off if I don't. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that was part of the the studies, too, is that they were you know, measuring the, the chemicals that get released. And that was part of it too, is that there's actually, um, endorphins of some kind that, especially with running, you know, there's obviously mm-hmm. there's like the runner's high, but I think just with the, the act of walking, running, you know, moving, breathing, breathing deeper, um, there's a lot of really powerful benefits that come from that. For sure. Cool. So let's, let's wrap this up by zooming way out. And so I, I, I love the, the 90 day, like kind of a way to zoom out and look at the next 90 days. I think there's something really powerful about that time frame because it's big enough that you can really accomplish some major projects, but also it's small enough that you can measure it and you can know if you're on track versus if it's like five years from now, it might be a little bit more um, hazy. That being said, yeah, I think that it is extremely powerful to like zoom out even further and kind of look at, you know, guiding stars or guiding lights for the next five to 10 years even. So I'm wondering... What's your process? Like, what do you do to sort of like really zoom out and look at like on the life level even and just kind of like zoom out and when you're planning those 90 day projects, is there like a, a level above that that's a few years in advance you're kind of looking at and how might someone, or what are some questions one might ask themselves to organize their long-term plans? Yeah, I mean, I don't teach a ton around like long-term vision and stuff. I think that life can throw so many wrenches into that. I do teach a lot around core values. And I think that, like you said, guiding stars, yeah, like that is really, that's really more what is going to, going to guide you beyond the 90 days. So for example, you know, if you're, if your guiding star is, is family, you know, then your career is going to look a lot different. You're going to have a lot different aspirations than if it's, you know, fame, or if it is like something like legacy, then that might look like you releasing, you know, making sure that all of the music that you've written has been released in some way. And that might involve, you know, planning out releasing, you know, one album of music per year. I mean, I've met some people that have hundreds of songs that have never been released that they've just been writing for all these years. And now they're like, I want to get you know, create my legacy around this and make sure that this music gets out there. And so that would guide how they would be planning out the next few years. So I really think it does start with core values and then you just, you break it down. But the 90 days is, I think, a very powerful number because I think if we try to look too far beyond that, there's, I mean, certainly we saw this in 2020, right? There's too many things in the world or even your own life that could change that would completely throw a wrench into your plans. And I don't want you to get discouraged by that. That's why I feel like 90 days is a really doable amount of time. And yes, things can happen and things can change in 90 days, but not nearly as 
as sweeping as can happen in a year. Mm, that's true. Yeah. And, and certainly, I mean, yeah, I don't know for anyone else, but like for me, like if I looked at 10 years ago, where I am now versus where I was, there's no way that I could have imagined that I would be here with, you know, three kids, um, on the way, like I, it was before I'd even met my wife and, you know, it, it just, things changed so much that like you're saying, I think that with those h bigger time frames, it is super, super valuable to have those core values, have those guiding stars, but you know, it's just a guiding star. It's not necessarily something you're ever going to get to specifically, you know, but it's a, something that's going to guide you in, in the right direction. Yeah, seriously. If I think about 10 years ago, I was about, I was recording and getting ready to release my holiday album and I was tour, I was planning a two week tour and, you know, I mean, it's so different from what I'm doing now, but yet the core values underneath it are the same mm. as what I'm doing now. Mm. It's just the way I was expressing it was different. I was still trying, you know, my the goal of my music was still to help and inspire people and that's the goal of what i'm doing now yeah, i love that awesome well hey brie it's it's always a pleasure to talk with you and especially when we get to geek out on something like this it's, it's a lot of fun so thank you for for taking the time to to come back on the podcast and to talk about about productivity and time management and for anyone that is uh, listening or watching this right now that would like to connect more with you or learn more about what you offer where would be the best place for them to go to, to learn more? Absolutely. I would love for you to listen to our podcast, The Profitable Musician Show, profitablemusician.com. If you're a female artist, it's Female Entrepreneur Musician is my other podcast. And I'd love for you to connect with me there. And would just love for you, if you've got any questions around releasing music, as we talked earlier about that and just the you know, just the kind of the productivity involved in getting your music out there and marketed. That's one reason that I focus on this because productivity is important. If you're wanting to like really make a big splash with your release, you can get more information about how to release your music at rockyournextrelease.com. Awesome. Cool. So well, like, like always, we'll put all the links in the show notes. So you have easy access and uh, thanks again, Bree. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you. It's been awesome. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guest today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then I'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take the music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.